0: This is Christopher Benincasa for Jersey Arts, the podcast. The art of Keith Haring is recognizable around the world. Figures and designs that somehow manage to be cartoonish, graffiti-like, and iconic in an art historical way all at once. Haring died of age-related complications in 1990 at the age of 31, but that has not slowed the influence of his work in the art world. A new exhibit at Grounds for Sculpture in Hamilton, Keith Haring, A New Dimension, is evidence of just that. Even those who are familiar with his work would be surprised to see what happens to it when it's unfolded into three dimensions. Ellen Landis is the curator of the exhibit, and she's here to explain this leap that Haring made, which, I have to say, is really fun to puzzle over. Even though they may not seem like it at first glance, these are complicated sculptures that reward you the more you look at them.
1: They don't seem complicated. In fact, however, they are very complicated. It it is very hard to convey a message as simply in form as Keith Haring did. It's much easier to have a lot of detail, and that conveys information. Whereas these are cutouts, almost cartoon-like, and the simplicity of the form is what makes them so complex.
0: This work is so different from what we think of as the, the Keith Haring brand that you see on all kinds of products and all kinds of posters and buttons and sneakers and stuff. Uh, What led him to this departure from his more doodling style?
1: Well, actually, it's a continuation of it. Um, And if you look at some of the sculptures, they have that doodling uh, style within it. The pyramid, for example, has uh, that continuous, almost hieroglyphic form. Mm -hmm. Um, But he was always interested in sculpture. And in fact, it started in 83, which was um, shortly after his career began as a, as an artist. And he, he always felt that sculpture made the work more real in a concrete sense, that the drawings were temporal, but by cutting it into steel, he felt that it would last
0: much longer. So give us some background on Herring for, for those who, who don't know. Where did this guy come from and where did his... Art come from? Where did his vision come from?
1: Well, he grew up in Cookstown, Pennsylvania, and um, he was always doodling. His father was a cartoon um, his father did cartoons for a hobby hmm. and so Herring uh, was very much into it as a kid. and then he um, was really interested in pursuing art. his family was very supportive of that and he went to Pittsburgh and uh, went to art school there. But he didn't like doing commercial art or graphic art. He felt that that was kind of selling out and that most people he knew who were doing that were not pursuing their own art. Even though they said that they were you know, working as a commercial artist mm. um, and pursuing their own art on the side, he felt that they weren't. And so he said, I'm going to give up this kind of um, art school uh, program. And I'm going to just do my art. And he said, this is, Um, not going to work in Pittsburgh. This is not where I'm comfortable. I want to go to New York. And he did. And um, one of the first things that he did was uh, the subway drawings. Um, You know, he continued that uh, graphic kind of drawing, that continual line that he he has. It's amazing. The only one that I've ever to have his work here is that he wanted it to be accessible to everyone. He didn't want it to be um, in, as he called it, the art world elite. What,
0: what do we know about how he translated his signature drawings and paintings into these very clever sculptures?
1: We don't know much about that. It, it was really the fact that he did these things very quickly as he did all of his art very quickly and he wanted to Pursue them in three-dimensional pieces, and he did. Um, but some of the things that he did were done for—we're um, not done as, as sculptor as we know it, because as I said, his his goal was to make art. He was always so fascinated by children and wanted to do a lot for them and, in fact, always did. Wherever he got a commission, he did um, something for children either at an orphanage or at a hospital. Um, But this one was his first, and the Red Dog um, was his first sculpture. But it wasn't the entire Red Dog as we have here. It was only the front half, and it was coming out of the earth. Hmm. And he was so happy with the fact that it was public art, as his drawings had been in some way, that, um, that, especially the children, but everyone could relate to
0: it. Aside from his art, Keith Haring was also famous for hanging out with famous people in the 80s. And I, I was just curious, uh, you know, how did he manage to, I guess, befriend so many celebrities, people like Andy Warhol and, all, you know, all the way up to Madonna?
1: Well, he first um, became friendly with Madonna because he and she were living in the village at the same time. And she was just starting out as he was starting out. And there was a whole group of artists and singers and um, musicians who kind of hung out together while they were all trying to, to make the grade, so to speak. Right. So he knew her early on. But the first exhibition that he had at Tony Shafrazi's gallery, um, Andy Warhol attended. And uh, apparently, from what I understand... Warhol was rather shy and, and didn't uh, make friends easily, but mm-hmm. he did stay at the um, gallery and really you know, took in all of the work. And so at the next um, opening that Herring had, Andy Warhol came back. And this time he approached Herring, and I don't know what he said, but you know, it was a couple of nice words, and something like, oh, we must get together or something, because they did. Mm-hmm. And Warhol was the one who knew everybody. Herring, only through Warhol, got to know them.
0: But he was also a political activist and a bit of a humanitarian.
1: Definitely a humanitarian. He always loved kids. And so, you know, he was always doing something for them. And then when this AIDS situation, um, even before he knew he was HIV positive, so many of his friends were dying of AIDS, um, that he got very involved with with that
0: cause. This will sound like a cliché, but when I walk through the gallery particularly around pieces like S-Man and on a Baby, uh, I quickly realized that the viewer literally has to continuously circle the sculpture to get the whole picture burned into one's head. These sculptures are based on very simple drawings, yet here they demand some decoding to get the image, the whole image.
1: And that shows you how successful he was as a sculptor, because sculpture is three-dimensional. And unless you've got a relief piece where you've got it on a wall, you have to walk around a sculpture to get the total
0: picture. Um, and I had to laugh at the green kung fu kicking self-portrait. Uh, how is that a self-portrait? Do you know the story behind that?
1: As far as I know, there isn't. But it's just so typical of him to do something with a little bit of humor and to actually show how he fought all the way through life. Um, to do what he wanted to do, to, um, to get through life with AIDS as a homosexual. Um, he had a lot of Problems he had to overcome. Mm-hmm. And although, in his way, he didn't think of them as problems, um, he did have to find solutions. And he fought through them
0: all. As the person who brought all of these pieces together, what does this selection of Herring's work tell us about Keith Herring that we might not have known before?
1: I don't think very many people knew he even did. School.
0: he might have continued in this direction had he lived longer? Uh, More and more sculptures like this, uh, uh, more and more complex projects like these?
1: I think he would have. He was really uh, into doing these public um, sculptures, and um, he really felt that people connected with those, because they were out in the open. And so I think because of his intense interest in Again, accessibility. I think that this is the way he would have continued.
0: Yeah. The woman I bought the uh, exhibition catalog from in the gallery mentioned how Herring's family came all the way from Reading, Pennsylvania, for the opening of this show, and that she really liked Keith Herring's work, particularly the uh, curling dog sculpture that we were talking about earlier. But she also liked the fact that he wasn't the stereotypical depressed kind of artist; that he was uh, a more celebratory type. Uh, how would you characterize Keith Haring as a person beyond the work that he left behind?
1: Well, I think the work he left behind is Keith Haring. I think both he and the work celebrate life. And I think that he was more into life knowing that he was going to die um, than many other artists were ever into life. (laughs) Um, And I think it shows. I, I think his personality comes through in those very
0: um, easy but very powerful images i would have to agree ellen landis thanks for doing the podcast thank you Chris. keith harring a new dimension is on view at grounds for sculpture in hamilton through september 19th for more information visit groundsforsculpture.org and for more information about the arts in new jersey visit jerseyarts.com this is christopher benincasa for jersey arts the podcast Jersey Arts, the podcast, is a production of State of the Arts, NJN's weekly art show. Watch it on NJN Public Television, Thursdays at 8 p.m. or online anytime at njn.net. The New Jersey State Council on the Arts is proud to co-produce State of the Arts. The New Jersey State Council on the Arts, encouraging excellence in the arts since 1966. Additional support was provided by the Geraldine R. Dodge Foundation, supporting cultural, educational, and environmental initiatives that make our world more livable.